Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. We're back with your favorite podcast, Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. Brock. Welcome to the Fractional Report Before Opening Bell, sponsored <laughs> by Collectible, episode 602 of Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. Good enough. Very, 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 very excited for today's episode. Kind of going to go over, you know, what's up, what's down. Some buyouts that happened on the fractional market. Uh, first, I want to give a shout out. I was at Cultural Collision in Atlanta this weekend. Um, it's always good to go to these shows, even though I'm not a big show guy. Uh, it's a priority of mine to be at more shows because my takeaway, Cage could jump in here because he goes to his local show. It kind of gives you a little bit of a pulse of, on the market. It, it lets you see as a primary source, not a secondary source, not what someone tells you to buy. But it lets you see what is it that people are really looking at, right? Yep. Um, and there were some surprises. I mean, I'll give you guys one right off the bat. Um, and again, the shows and the vibes, they obviously change. But And we'll get into the data, talk all about that stuff. But vintage was the talk of the town. Vintage and eye appeal. Ultra modern. Even John Morant. Like, guys, think about this. John Morant last night had a career night. 46 points. This is a guy that's been an MVP candidate all year. He's completely overperforming expectations. His draft counterpart has been made into this fat blow-up doll in Louisiana, and they're making fun of Zion. And Ja is having a Derrick Rose type of season. Oh, don't say that. Well, he we, don't had, want a, oh. we don't want a Derrick Rose type of career. I mean. <laughs> What's amazing about Ja is 48 hours ago, we thought he was out for the season. And then he comes back out and drops 46. Yeah, it's pretty nice. On nuts. the Bulls. And no one's asking about him. No one's, and that to me was really, really interesting. So we'll go get, get into the data. We'll talk about a lot of things here today on the show. We want to welcome you guys back and, and let you know that we really appreciate you guys tuning in, listening to our shows, 600 episodes plus. Listen, that was two minutes of fun. Let me contextualize for the folks listening to this episode what Andrew is saying and why he's saying it. Card shows are interesting, but Andrew said something before we hit the, 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 the live button that started recording today. And it's a summary of what he just said. And it's, he needs to, we need to, the hobby needs to stop. If you want to make money, if you want to, if you want to be in the right investment, stop buying what you like and start buying what everyone likes. It's an important little thing. I've said this a couple of times on our, our podcast, right? You want to be in an asset that other people want to be in. And that's one of the cool things about doing this weekly episode of Collectible on, on the fractional space. Because for the most part, if it's being fractionalized, it's because there's low pop, there's low supply, and there's a significant amount of demand for it, which is why it gets fractionalized. There's enough demand that people want to buy a piece of it. And usually, for a lot of these cards, they're impossible to either find them at all, or they don't come up for auction that often. We're going to talk about some that just did sell. But when they do, you're not able to get in and buy that whole thing. Supply is so little, demand so high. But fractional gives you that opportunity to still get your investment portfolio exposed to those assets that everybody wants. Because you might not go to a show and be able to find that. That John Morant that you have, someone at the table next door might have three. Someone at the table across the hall might have a different one, a different release of jaw, a lower numbered jaw. You might have the elephant Titus one and somebody else might have the zebra balls or whatever the heck these parallels are nowadays. You know, there's a lot of it. Not the case with what we have on, on collectibles. So important stuff. I love where we're going with it. Shoot, let's hear some data. So real quick data. And then I want to talk about the PMG that sold with Kobe and how that affected Timmy Duncan here. But um, slight positive week. Ultra Modern got crushed this week as a kind of honestly expected and based on what we were talking about at the show here same thing ultra modern down eight percent this week modern up two percent vintage flat basketball was up three percent in the last week baseball flat golf up one percent tennis up 10.7 percent i know that's your favorite sport cage the fringes were had a good week tennis wrestling up eight eleven point three five i don't know who oh wrestling not like wwe I'm, I'm sitting here I'm, I'm sitting here picturing like the olympic sport of wrestling which, by the way, I guess it's not an Olympic sport anymore. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's interesting stuff, right? I mean, you had, you had golf, tennis, wrestling in the positive. Um, 
you know, while football and hockey and soccer are slightly negative. Um, yeah, man, modern cards. Ultra modern was the one that took the most, the biggest hit down about 8%. Um, yeah. Also, just, you know, we don't have the numbers on what this was, but we've been advised that Tuesday, 222, let's call it Tuesday, 2222, right? Because it was February 22nd of 2022. Uh, one of the strongest days of trading on secondary market. Uh, we're told the highest number of daily participants, total trades and assets executed on a single day, which is pretty crazy. It just means people That's are being exposed huge. to this. Yep, go ahead. That's huge news. Well, I mean, you got to realize these, this fractional space. Cards have been around for decades, but fractional it's a, it's a new business. You know, it's two years old. So to see that, to see more users, to see more adoption, I think that's huge, man. I think I think that shows that that the space is growing. It might not be growing by leaps and bounds, like you know some of us might hope our cards are growing, uh, but. That's a, that's big news, and I think you're going to start to see that play itself out. Cage, do, do you nope. – so, so Oscar Robertson here, um, the game-worn rookie jersey received an offer for 320000 right before we recorded this episode. That offer was accepted. Let's talk a little vintage because at the show, you know, Mickey Mantle, Jackie Robertson, Willie Mays, that was basically what people were talking about. There were trades with those big cards. People are, you know, trading Babe Ruth autos for Mickey Mantle cards. Do you think we see next that vintage go into NBA? Because right now vintage has been kind of staying in the baseball field. But what about Oscar Robertson? What about Will Chamberlain? We haven't heard those names set records in a in, in, a, in some time. Do you think that you have that rubber band effect with, you know, Willie Mays, Jackie Robertson, Mickey Mantle? People are looking at those. We're going to start seeing some people look more at Oscar Robertson, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain. Maybe. I think the difference is that Oscar and Wilt and the vintage basketball already had a run. And baseball really didn't. So, you know, we can talk about Gary Vee, who was pumping up, you know, vintage basketball cards last year. We, you know, when modern basketball had its run, vintage basketball did. Um, and I was saying six months, a year ago, after that happened, it's only a matter of time before it swings over to vintage baseball. But it never really happened. You know, I'm the guy who, you know, in the same auction, um, picked a Hank Aaron PSA 8 over a Michael Jordan PSA 10. They were both selling for $24,000. And I decided Hank Aaron was the way to go. Now, Hank's cards went up a bit after he passed away. But that card in no way has done what the Jordan rookie has. A PSA 8 Hank Aaron is not... $250,000, $280,000. It's a fraction of that. Um, same thing, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know I had a PSA 8.5 of his rookie, and that one was a couple years back, $14,000 I paid for it. And, and, you know, $100,000 card, basically. $80,000 card, recent heritage sales. Um, so basketball had its run. Baseball really didn't. You know what I mean? Um, Mantles, uh, Aaron's, Mazes, they've run. They've gone up a little bit, but they didn't have that 4-5x right. that the vintage basketball guys had. So I think you're seeing that. Could we, after this run in, in vintage baseball, see it swing back to basketball? Sure. Could we see it can back we to use, more modern? Can we use sure. Mantle as like the bellwether? In that same auction, I, I, I don't know if you remember. What was like a Willie, uh, Mickey Mantle 2 going for? when? The... So uh, the, the entry point for Mantle – at the time, was a, like authentic or PSA one was eight to ten thousand dollars. That was like the entry point mantle. You could still find one, you know, like a bad copy for like eight. Um, so fours were like, you know, twenty two. Threes were eighteen. You know, twos were fifteen. You know, in that kind of range. Bad fours. You know, good four would be like a thirty. Um, you know, I have a mantle. I don't remember when I bought it. Uh, I think it was was it twenty? Twenty, right? It was definitely twenty. It was like summer or fall of twenty twenty. So fall of twenty twenty. Yeah, it was definitely like September of twenty twenty. Um, because we were is, is that when we pod. recorded our flight to quality episode? <laughs> Possibly. Um, but yeah, I mean, at that same time, I picked up a mantle five for fifty two. So that should kind of give you kind of weird. Give you guys are. context. And obviously, at shows, people tend to overprice because there's that negotiation factor. 
but a gentleman traded for a 2.5 that was centered. And he immediately priced that thing at 80K to the point where, I mean, obviously he got maybe got a good trade, but he was confident in that 80K. And a big new thing, and it's always been this way because since I've heard it came into hobby, you know, buy the card, not the grade. But we're really seeing it play out with these vintage baseball cards. People, I appeal, I appeal, I appeal, I appeal, I appeal. That's the talk of the show there. And this I appeal perfectly centered 2.5 mantle, 80,000, let's say 70,000. Would you be a buyer, seller, or holder on that card? Okay, so I love where you're going with this because I appeal is the topic du jour. And in some instances, it makes sense. I'd love to see the card. Right, because if it's one where centering plays such a huge role in vintage it's cards, very right? well and if it's one where it's a really nice center card, it's got good registration. I could see paying more for, yeah, like so the coloring is good. It's not blurry. It's, there's no shifting in like so you took on a mantle. You've seen different mantles, right? You see some of them have really crisp registration. They have really nice blue color. You can see his face. There's no marks on it. There's no fading in the card. Um, you know, that's when you talk about eye appeal, you're talking about the centering, but you're also talking about especially a card like that that everybody knows. Everything should be where it should be, you know, on, on a card that has quote unquote eye appeal. You're willing to forego, you know, uh, a little bit of rounding on the corners, maybe a, a lot of bit of rounding on the corner. Well, that's why I'd want to see the I, I like my corners should be good too. I mean, like, I'm a little bit of a snob with the stuff, like, I. I'll give a little bit on centering the corners, but it's personal preference. But most people would rather have a centered card right. with worse corners than an off-center card with better corners. Um, so, again, I have to see the card. But, yeah, if it's a nicely centered card and it was a two-and-a-half, you could see it selling for more than a three, three-and-a-half, maybe even some fours, especially $80,000. That's a, that's a good four. I mean, a real well-centered eye appeal four would, could go for $100,000, definitely. So and it's a great – Yeah, shoot. So that's 4X on the mantle. Do we see that Rob Go mantle PSA 9? Is that now $10 million, $11 million card? Do we see that sell this year? I think if he sold it, it would be. Honestly, I do. But I think the better way to go with it is from, from a fractional standpoint. Um, is the IPO worth it? And how much is the multiple? Because a couple of years ago, it was not, not as big of a deal, but now the buyers are. Can, if you have, I don't know if you're looking on your computer or not, I can, I can tell you what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about. It's another one that people have done. I'm talking about the 48 Leaf Jackie Robinson. That's on collectible. It's a PSA three and a half, I believe. Okay. So a recent, so it is actually down this week, one and a half percent. Um, and it's trading at $35,720 market value. So 35 grand, almost 36. It's a three and a half. A recent PWCC auction of five sold for 23.4. That's a huge markup. It's almost 50% higher. But if you look at the three and a half, I think most people would say that three and a half definitely has significantly better eye appeal than the five that sold in PWCC. A lot of the Jackie Robinson Leafs, I mean, I don't know if you can see the card, but a lot of the Leafs, they have, they're like blurry. They're not, so, you know, they're not like really great looking versions of the card. That's a really nice card. Um, the coloring's nice. The centering's nice. The five that was sold was a little, definitely shifted left to right. And you could mm -hmm. see the registration on the card wasn't so nice. I think, you know, this was the card that, uh, there was a post up there about where they put, you know, fives against this one. And people were like, oh, I want that one. And it turned out that one was a three and a half. That's the definition of eye appeal. The question becomes that one, you know, almost becomes kind of like, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder type of thing. Is this three and a half worthy of a market cap that is nearly 50% higher than a recent sale of a five? That's the question. It used to, and, and Cage, you and I talk a lot about this. You would say it used to not matter as nope. much, right? So you used to play within a range, but a five would always be more than a 3.5. Well, because the definition I appeal, at least, you know, PWCC, the way that it was explained to me, right? Because like an A, I think, above average is top 30%. But what they're trying to do, same thing with Mike Baker and the whole deal, what they're trying to do is they're trying to give uh, um, a way of differentiating within the grade, so if that's mantle is a two and a half and it's a top 10% card, it's a PWCC, you know, E, right? Then what it's saying is of the two and a halves that are out there, this is a top 10% of the two and a half. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's 
a top 10% of the threes or three. And it doesn't mean because of that eye appeal that it's better than something two or three grades above it, right? Now, I guess if you compare one of the worst five and a halfs, a bottom 10%, and a top 10%, three and a half, maybe, you know, on balance, they look like, you know, each other. But, I mean, you're starting to get to a point where, you know, that's a, that's a big discrepancy, right? A three so, versus a four. Go ahead. So is that um... – is that an, it's probably the answer to both, but is that a more educated buyer or is that a distrust in grading? So I don't know if it's either. I think what I would say is when you start to talk about these cards, it's more likely than not a card buyer that's going to fall into one of two categories. One, somebody who's going to hold that card themselves and they have the money. And whether it's twenty-five, thirty, dollars or $35,000, they want to buy a card that they want to look at, that they don't mind displaying. They don't want to have to say, oh, I bought the, you know, the worst one I could afford. They want to say, I bought one that is in, you know, in really nice shape and, and displays well, right? It used to be the saying a couple of years ago was buy the best one you can buy for what you'd afford, but the best graded one that you could buy for however much money you can afford. Which by the highest grade, highest grade of, of the card for what you what your budget will allow you to do. Not exactly the same sort of rationale now. The second buyer is somebody who's looking to flip it, and is realizing that if they're going to flip it, they're flipping it to somebody who falls into the first category, which right. is they have the money, and they're going to be looking at a card for the next five years. They want to make sure it's something that they don't mind looking at. They don't want one that's slanted, has diamond cuts, has to By the way, that's hey. very astute because that is the gig that some people that I met do, right? They arbitrage in bet- with those vintage cards in between the grades. Yep. Uh, because believe it or not, the VIG, you know, the arbitrage between those grades is a few thousand bucks. And if you could buy it here and flip it there. Uh, and you're absolutely right. David described that to me as this, the first buyer. They're going to display it. They're going to tuck it away. That's a generational card that they're going to give to their grandkids. And they, they yeah. don't want to give an ugly card. They want to give a card that they like, even if they pay, you know, three, four, seven thousand more, more dollars. Yeah, that's the deal. I mean, my, my PWCC vault is, is for the most part, has cards in it that have, you know, I appeal designations on it. Centering. Johnny Moore yeah. sold for $90,000. Dollars in a PSA mm-hmm. 10. Now, that's a notoriously difficult card to get a 10 on, but most people out there would say, Who is Johnny Moore? What does that sale tell you? So, that's a sale that ended this weekend. It got a lot of love. Lamine did like a whole post on it. Set collecting is not dead. <laughs> what does that tell you? You know, is that does that mean that the Jordan 10 is going to start moving up? No, not at all. So, anybody who listens to our show knows Johnny Moore. I've probably said Johnny Moore's name because of that card. Three, four, five no, no, dozen you t- times. You said Johnny Kilroy. No, I told me to go be Johnny Kilroy. <laughs> I said he doesn't exist. I said Johnny Moore and Jeff Malone. And Jeff Malone also sold for a lot of money as well. But there are set builders. The '86 Fleer set is one of those sets that people do. Set registry builders that want to have, you know, a, a, a PSA 10 version of that set. Um, and uh, you know, I'm pretty sure a PSA 10 set. <laughs> It, it, I got to tell you, why I'm at a loss for words on it is I don't buy it. And maybe that just makes me a cynic. I don't buy it. I know there are people out there who have a lot of that card. I know there are people out there who have more than one. Now, it's the pop is low. And there are, there, you know, there are only so, so many out there. I'll compare it to something. And you can do what you want with it. Obviously, collectible is about sports. But you know the card I'm going to go with. Pokemon, Pokemon. Chansey. It's almost the same scenario, right? Where there's people want to build that set and that Chansey is not a high card. It's not a Blastoise. It's not a Charizard. You know, it's not Mewtwo. It doesn't have the same, you know, the same pedigree as a lot of these other cards, Venusaur, but it sells for as much because there's, it's the, it's the lowest pop one for the set. And sometimes with iconic sets, those cards stand out, but it made sense when Johnny Moore was ten or fifteen thousand dollars, because that's how much Charles Barkley is. You know, I think if you look at the pops on the cards, don't hold me to this because I, I didn't know we were going to go here with Johnny Moore. 
the last time I looked, there was 67 Johnny Moores, and there were like 90-something Dominique Wilkins. Okay? You're absolutely right. 67 is the exact number. And what about Dominique? It was like 93 the, the last card time. card sold for $17,988 one year ago. How about Dominique? So that I'd lo- I'll look up for you just so that we know. But I'm pretty sure Dominique was less than 100 also, which means there's 50% more of the Dominique. Now, that's a lot. When you talk about set builders, the difference between 67, 60-something, and 90-something is, is a big difference, right? When there's people fighting over that, that Johnny Moore, especially if there's one person out there who happens to have two dozen of them, then the 67 really only becomes 40, right? It's very hard to make that set. It's very hard to put that set together for people who, that's my last car. That's the one that I need. But for, for a rookie investor like myself, like if I see okay, Johnny Moore is 90,000, okay, there's six, pop 67. Jordan popped 315. Mm-hmm. That's only 2.5x the price, 2x the price. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No. Well, that's why I say I don't buy it. Um, I, I was going with Dominique Wilkins. Dominique Wilkins was, you know, that's a stud. You know, that's a top top basketball player of all time. Human highlight reel, you know, scoring leader, dunk champ, you know, just a real great player. And he's a low pop card also. And I'm pretty sure his card sells for less than what that Johnny Moore was selling for before this craziness. Right. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's only a 10, 12, you know, $15,000 card, however you want to slice it. And it's rare also. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean it's not 67 rare, uh, but it's rare. Um, like I said, I mean, I remember I don't own one anymore, but when I did own one, I'm pretty sure the, that the, it was like there was only like 92 of them. You know, there might be some more graded now. People are always grading these things. Um, so the numbers are always changing. But... 18 six. 93. Pop. 93. See, 92 was the pop last I looked at. So 93. So you tell me, 93. There are other cards in this set that are that are expensive, right? But not crazy expensive. I'd love to look up the, pop, the, the price on Gerald Wilkins. Not Dominique Wilkins. Gerald Wilkins, who played for the Knicks. There's only 86 PSA 10s of that, right? So maybe the, maybe the lesson is go get that now. Go grab yourself a Gerald Wilkins. Go grab Purvis Short. You ever heard of Purvis Short? Play for Washington. Right? There's 81 of those. Real close to the 67 that there are for for Johnny Moore. Only 81 Purvis Shorts. Kurt Rambis. Paul Presley. You ever heard of these guys? Rambis was, you know, wore the goggles for the Lakers. Rambis, 95, 94 for Presley. Ricky Pierce has 98. I mean, they're not cards that have such a significant – you know Larry Nance Jr., right? His dad, Larry Nance yep. Sr., in that set. 92 PSA 10s for him. 91 Mike Mitchells. 89 Kevin McHale. How much is the Kevin McHale PSA 10? There's 89 of them. There's only 20 more of that than there are of Johnny Moore. Is, Gerald is that Wilkins PSA 10 is 2600 bucks. Gerald Wilkins. Gerald. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Alton Listener. There's 83 of. Fat Lever. Lafayette Lever. 98. I mean, look at all these ones. I'm pretty sure that this is a situation, though, where um, the pop is lower than that because I think somebody is stockpiling this. I think that's part of the problem. And when there's really only two-thirds of the actual pop, and even less because the rest of them are locked in sets, the thing doesn't come up that often. And when it does, this could happen. It also could be whoever it is that owns a lot of these might want it to look like it's worth $90,000. We talked about that. So to That's me, a fascinating it's... sale. That's a fascinating sale. I ask it not because that card is on card ladder, but um, it's not always exact comps that we could compare, right? With set building, you could see, just like you mentioned, the chance he's gone up. Will that affect the Zard, which is on collectible, which is the Jordan in this case? There was a case where this actually happened. So this week we saw PMG Green Kobe Bryant sell for $2 million. Shout out to our friends at PWCC for brokering that deal. Uh, Tim Duncan up 80% of the PMG on collectible. I'll pull it up here. Yep. Uh, PMG people love PMG cage people. PMG is something that feels like it never falls out of style. Is that, is that fair to say or no? You could say I'm wrong. You can, you can No, I don't 80% wrong. this week. I, I'm the wrong guy to ask about PMGs because PMGs, Kobe, you know, I had um, – Look at that chart. You know, Look when that, that stuff came out, college, law school, 
step away from cards, you know, thinking about things that aren't exactly cards at the time, thinking about things that are like, you know, the opposite sex, you name it. Uh, so the, I, I can't tell you whether or not it, it was a phenomenon at the time when it released. I know that in the last couple of years it's become a phenomenon. I know that high-profile collectors chase these things. I know a couple years ago um, PWCC had an auction for Jordan Green. Right, it was one of their PWs. It was on eBay, and they had to like rerun it. We're talking about three, four years ago. And I remember that I, I knew of the cards, but I didn't know of the craziness of it. I know that a lot of them were in the Asian market with Asian collectors, um, and it flew. It, it flew up in like the first day to like three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. They had to like end it. It wound up getting shilled, you know, like crazy. Just people were putting in wacky numbers, and it was the first one of those PWCC auctions that I can remember where they had to like pre-qualify everybody who was bidding. On the card, and it still sold for uh, six hundred thousand dollars, some you know absurd number. And that was the first time that I realized the magnitude of these cards, that set, you name it. And I think it it, it touches a lot of talking points. It looks like art. It's a cool set. People like to collect it. It's rare, especially the greens is only ten. The reds is only another ninety of them. Um, it has high profile collectors who really touted it. I mean, everybody knows Nat Turner is a huge PMG collector. Um, the collecting elite-ists, if I'm allowed to call them that, uh, and you know who I'm talking about, the folks out there who want to call themselves collectors all the time, these are the cards that they talk about. Um, you know, I even, at National last year, picked up a couple of them. I've since sold all of them um, at a little bit of a profit. And, um, you know, I didn't need a Rod Strickland PMG Red. Uh, it doesn't do it for you? Didn't do it for me. They were cool cards. They were cool cards to have in hand. Um, you know, and like you said, it touches all, all buttons. And if people are going to be paying, you know, as much as they pay for, um, you know, LeBron Gold Prism out of 10, then I can understand why people are going to pay the money for these cards. They're real cool. They're 90s inserts. You know, they're numbered. It's one of the first, you know, numbered art, cool piece cards like that. And when you have enough people with enough money all chasing the same thing, um, I say it all the time, Right. I say it in content. I say it in cards. I say it in everything. And uh, I have to. I'm gonna have to pay some royalties to Soul Asylum for how many times I use this line. But nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. And if the crowd that's around a certain card is well-known, high-end money collectors and people who talk a lot about these cards, well, then that crowd is one that's gonna draw an even bigger crowd. And everybody thinks PMGs are where the money should be. And a $2 million Kobe card, I mean, that, that, that's shouting from the rooftops, right? That's somebody saying, I think this is Kobe's best card. There's only 10 of them. This is the best grade. There's no grades higher than this. It's a gorgeous card. I'm going to be an uber Kobe collector. This is the card I want to have. And the amazing part is I can't come on here and say that these cards are not worth it because we know how rabid the fan base and the collector base is for these. Right. And you know there's only 10. The guy who bought the Kobe for $2 million, if his thought process is, I may not get another chance to buy one of these for a decade, so I got to come with a big money offer and, and pry this out of somebody's hands now, makes sense, right? And Cage, you've heard this. You're the average of the five friends you sp- five people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. I do think that the, the people that play in these arenas, they are introducing their friends into the space, Right. And, and mm-hmm. this, who knows who buys some of these? They could be their first card ever, right? And when you buy like your first card ever, and you know a friend recommended it or, or something like that, you just this is the card I want. You put that money in; it's a tiny percentage of your entire net worth. It only takes uh, one buyer. You say that all the time. That's right. Only takes one. And look, there are enough Kobe collectors out there, but this one does have that rubber band effect because. It does. You know, it blows the top up on these things, right? It, it raises the ceiling on what these things are worth. And that set, especially from a green perspective, right? There's a lot of cars in the set. It was a 100-card set. There's a lot of cars in the set, right? There's a lot of scrubs in the set. Chris Childs has a card. You know, do you even know who Chris Childs is? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Ronnie Sykley, who was more known for his wife, and his DJing after his career, yeah, his wife was a, a, a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. Um, 
he has a card in there. I mean, he's a great player, but who cares, you know? Um, but the top cards are your Jordan, <laughs> your Kobe. You look this it up. That looks like a goon from The Sopranos. Right, exactly. Greek. Um, played for the Greek, you know, national team in the Olympics too. Great player. Um, that's Ronnie Cycli, exactly. He has a PMG, right? And it's thousands, you know, like the red one is, you know, four figures just because of what it is. But the point I'm trying to make with that is you have your George, you have your Kobe, there's a Shaq in it, there's a Garnett, Tim Duncan. I mean, it's one of the top five, ten cards in the set, and there's only ten of them. So I can understand. I would be why worried holding Tim Duncan. I'll tell why? you guys, it was. Tim Duncan's not that cardboard relevant. I love the opinion. I love the phrase, but uh, he won five chips. No, no, dude. I as a player, Tim Duncan was at a point I was putting him in my top five, Mister Fundamental. Like that's he's a guy you have on your team. He's he's you could put him in on any team. He'll fit. My 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 point of that is Kobe. This year, you know, I had a at the show. I had a game worn auto of Kobe, and people came up and. Not a lot of interest in that card in general. And then a friend came up and he said, I asked him, I was like, dude, no, no love for Kobe, huh? He's like, Kobe was so last year. <laughs> if Kobe was so last year, he into car, in sports cards terms, of course. Mm-hmm. When was yep. Tim Duncan? And when again will he be? Tim Duncan was never. <laughs> was never. Was and never. It's, it's just, he, has, he doesn't have the personality. He doesn't stay in the spotlight. He's, I doubt he's going to have a documentary made. And even if he does... I don't know how much that documentary hits the masses because he doesn't have the Magic Johnson-esque type of cute so charisma. So here's the thing, right? You've met some high-end collectors. You were at the show. Did you meet people who have multi-million dollar collections at the show? One was a 16-year-old kid, and I felt really terrible about myself. Right. So, so a 16-year-old kid has a multi-million. Forget about that. How about the people on the other end of the tables? How many people they have multi-million dollar personal collections, not just their own stuff? You're talking about in one show, and there are other shows going on this weekend also, and there'll be another show. I would say 15% of the show. A lot of people at just that small show have multi-million dollar collections, right? So think about it. The creme de la creme of collectors want the PM this PMG green set. That is like the old – we talk about how you're, you're at a table – you know, you sit down, here's your access pass. You know, there's one table, the buy-in is the Michael Jordan PSA 10. And we used to think that was the, the table, that was the one, that was the play. But no, no, no. The PMG green, the PMG red is the, the Jordan you want to have. No, no, the green. No, no, how about a PMG green set? People want to build the set. Only 10 of these, right? So what you have here is everybody's measuring. You like to say it all the time, right? And it's, it's at that level, who's got it, right? Everybody knows Rob G has a PSA 9 mantle and a fancy hat. We love you, Rob. But the PMG Greens, they're locked in these people's collections. You can't pry them out. You name it. So now people realize where one is. It's here. It's on collectible. Tim Duncan, one of the better ones. And you might not get another chance at a Duncan. So people, I think the reason why it went up is because that card right there, after a $2 million purchase of a Kobe, is ripe for a potential buyout offer. I think people bought into it thinking that that's probably going to happen. I like the that. Mid- I, I like that. A buyout that did go through was the Oscar Robertson game worn rookie jersey. I, I don't know if I mentioned that, but yep. it was $320,000 was the offer. It was actually accepted right before the show. Cage. I didn't really understand this. The 68 tops Nolan Ryan PSA 9 went for Mm -hmm. 112,000 on memory lane. Yep. Give me, give me an update. I can read you the full statement here from collectible, but if you know, I I don't want to waste. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. So, so that card used to be a 30, $40,000 card. Also, it was one of the cards that I was like, I got to have in my collection. We actually have a Luca nation member who graded one. That's right. Bought one raw and graded a nine. You got a nine. You got a nine. He had a nine and sold it. Was it Coach um, Ferreira? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he wants to be named, but but yeah, he graded, got a nine and sold it. You know, I got I think got sixty something thousand dollars, which is less than what it's. And that card has been on a steady increase, like a lot of these vintage baseball cards have. But what what um, there are different versions of that sixty-eight tops card. There's a Venezuela version, which is almost impossible to find in a hard in a, a high grade. And there's a toy version, a Milton Bradley version. That is what is on collectible. 
very hard to find in um, in high grade and the grade that it's in here. Um, and um, you know, while it's slightly higher market value than the PSA nine of for the tops that just sold, you know, the thought there is, you know, if you're in the market for this card, you might want to get one that's thirty times rarer in that grade. Um, not that the PSA nine tops you know, is anything to sneeze at, but you know, if you're, if you're weighing your money and you have, you know, slightly over a hundred thousand dollars, that, that Mark Milton Bradley one, you know, is one that is, is, is worth taking a look at just cause you don't see him in high grade that often. Um, and what we've learned of course with Johnny Moore is low pop people go, you know, people go crazy for him. Um, but there's more demand for the tops one. A lot of people don't even know that Milton Bradley card even exists, but everybody knows the 68 tops exists. Can I run down some fun stuff? Absolutely. Okay, 52 tops mantle PSA 8 currently ended its trading at $24.95 with 48,500 shares. That gives a market cap of $1.21 million. Okay, 1.2, just over 1.2, 1.21 million market cap. Heritage last night ended for a million and a half. We were all watching that one, which means the one on collectible is $290,000 less than what the one on Heritage just ended at means it's now we've had comps. We've seen cards trade um, the comp now. And if I could be honest with that, that's probably a low comp because a lot of people were at the show and not paying attention to auctions. It's actually a pretty good sale. Uh, it's a record price uh, for recent. I mean, I think there was a $2 million sale. Right. If you remember, a whole bunch of eights came up last year in Golden. And they yeah. ranged. They were like, you know, $2 million, one and change. You know, one went for under a million. Uh, one went for like 1.4 last year. I think this same card sold for like 800 and something thousand dollars and exactly a year later. So February last year, now it's at 1.5. So it's a good comp. It shows that the trajectory of that card is one of those just, you know, steady climbers. And we've been watching that. We mentioned it last week's show that it's going to be a comp to watch. It started picking up in, in secondary trading Thursday, Friday, as this auction came to an end, because this one was already at 1.1. People anticipated that there was going to be some bidding on it, and there was. I expect this one to be um, you know, active. We've seen this once before. I mean, when we started doing the show um, in the summer, same type of thing. Mantle 8 just sold, and we saw the Monday after it reacted. Um, that's one that's in the positive territory. One that's in the negative I brought it up last week because we had a recent comp that was significantly lower than market cap. The, um, you know, the, the market didn't react last week, and it's possibly because we said it's just one comp and you never know. We've now talked about both ends of this. Remember the exquisite sealed case that sold for like $900,000 because it was a case? And I've talked this to death now saying that it was a premium because it was a case and that uh, the box that's on collectible – it doesn't mean it's worth $300,000. It's a single box. And we had a recent comp in the 70s. Well, last night, one sold on Heritage again, $75,000. So now we have two recent comps in that $75,000 range for a box. Last week, the, the box on collectible went from 14 a share down to 13.5 a share. So it basically didn't really move down even after that one comp. Now that you have two, the market cap calculation on this one is $107,662 right now. So when you have two recent comps in that 75 range and you're sitting there with the collectible market price of 50% higher than the most recent two comps, that's one you might see not move up like the mantle. You might see it actually move down a little, although I, I could be wrong about that because it didn't move down last week based on that one comp. Two comps, though, is a different story. One it, that's a little it also have something to do with the fact that LeBron cards are basically flat. You don't guarantee yourself a LeBron card the best second card is like a mellower Wade. People aren't chasing that. Does it have yeah. anything to do with that? Yeah. I mean, there was a, when that case sold, there was basically like records. Every time an exquisite LeBron came for right. sale, there was record, record, record. Now that's not happening. They're not really coming down, but they're not moving up. He's not having the greatest season. His cards for the most part are either flat or down. We can go through the LeBrons. Remember last week, only two were up and most were down. That kind of stabilized a little bit this week. We can go through that a little bit. But yeah, I think you're 100% right. So and when we have LeBron's up, going up, people FOMO into the case. Yeah. Right? A little yeah. bit of it is, is the FOMO effect. That is a real effect. Yeah. Last week, four LeBrons up, three down, and flat six of them, which is better than only two up and the rest of them down that they were last week. So we had the 52 tops mantle, a good comp. We have um, you know the exquisite box, a comp that's lower than the market price. I'm even going to give you one that's right on target 
because that kind of bolsters if you're worried about the, an asset like this. Another low pop, awesome card that I think is probably on its way up. Another, I only know that because like the Nolan Ryan, it was one that I always wanted and just never grabbed, and now it's too expensive. Ricky Henderson, 1980 tops PSA 10 rookie. Um, 14,500 shares at $7.40, whatever cents it was at. It has a market cap on collectible of $107,800, so $107,800 grand. Heritage one ended last night. There's only a couple dozen of these out there. There's not that many in this card. I, I want to talk about this card. Heritage ended 111,000. So the Heritage, a 111 collectible market cap, 107.8. So it's right on there, right accurate, if not a little low, a couple of percent below the recent top. But yeah, talk about the card. It's not vintage, right? You wouldn't consider 80s vintage, or would you? I think you would now. You I mean, would It's now. a 40, It's a 42-year-old card. There are a lot of people who talk about Ricky Henderson as actually like one of the greatest baseball players of all time, and like the he is so revered that mm-hmm. relative to some greats, I saw a post about this. I don't know if you saw this on Instagram today. Five tool player, you know, he it, it was the only one that like he struck such fear into pitchers that a single could be a triple with him. Yeah, I think he just hasn't had his moment in time yet. I think there's a lot more run in this card than we're seeing at this moment in time. This card was a $20,000 card when I came in. The same as the Jordan being 25 and Hank Aaron 20 and the Nolan Ryan in the 20s. It was all in that same ballpark. The, you know, um, uh, who else was in that one? Uh, another card that I was looking at grabbing. Um, Reggie Jackson, PSA 9. All in that same kind of wheelhouse. And we're talking now. I mean, I said when I came back, we're talking four or five years ago. You know, so obviously they've had their runs. The thing about Ricky is you either love him or you hate him. As people who revere, there's also people who can't stand him. Ricky personality was, I mean, he used to talk about himself in like the, in the third, third and first person. person. He'd be like, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky's going to hit but, this ball. Like he'd but we love Deion Sanders about that, for that. Yeah, I mean. We, it, he called himself primetime. Very good comparison. Very good comparison. Um, Ricky Henderson's an interesting character. Um, he did a lot of things that I don't think would be – you know, favored today. For a leadoff hitter, he had power and he hit a lot of leadoff home runs, but not power like is revered today. He, he, he's not hitting, you know, 50 home runs a year like even Tatis, who's a power and speed guy, could do. You know what I mean? He wouldn't do 40-40, but he could do 20-80, <laughs> you know? Um, it was just a different game. People don't steal bases like that. People don't steal bases the way that, that he did. I mean, it was off to the races. I mean, if he got on base, forget do you, it. But, but, but do you think, you know, like, we talk about this. Sometimes you have to go to where the puck is going. A documentary, something in culture, he has the stats, he has the accolades. Do you just think his time will never come? In cardboard relevancy? Yeah, He's I priced do. so cheap relative to other greats of the game, Cage. He's priced not, very cheap. Not really. PSA 10, uh, there's a two dozen of them, and it's a $15,000 card. And so, he's a top so 25 I would, player of all time? Top 10 players of all time? I don't know if I'd put him in there either. Um, you know what it is? It's, it's modern cards. I mean, I can tell you a lot of other modern cards, you know, and, and greats who are in the same kind of vicinity as him, same era as him. Um, you know, and Ricky playing in the '80s, he was great, but he was not really like people weren't like, "Oh, Ricky, Ricky is one of the greats." You know, Cal Ripken, one of the greats, and look at Cal Ripken's card. Now, obviously, it's a ton more, right? A ton more of ton Ripken. More. You know, you know, um, Griffey's George... better than Anderson. Who? Griffey. Who's better? I think most people would put Griffey as far as cardboard relevance ahead of, and he also carries forward to what people like today. In uh, the sport, you know, he was a power hitter. He was a home run guy. He was a threat to break the home run record every year. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think this – and there's definitely more – there aren't a lot of people out there who would say, hey, you know what, when I got back into baseball when I was a kid, I put on my hat and I said, I'm going out there and I'm going to be um, Ricky Henderson. But there were a ton of kids who went out there and said, I'm going to be Ken Griffey Jr., that's one of the big differences, I think, you know, between those two. Um, you know, Ricky wasn't a smiley, happy, bubblegum chewing, you know, hat on backwards young kid. He was like an angry, <laughs> you know, angry. And he played for the Yankees for a while, too. He was a good Yankee. You know, that's a lot, a lot of it also. I mean, he was, he was on Oakland for a while. The cards in Oakland. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, this it's a great card. The pop is tiny, but I think what's what's amazing about it is your first question is a great one. Do you consider it vintage? Like, I don't put this card in the same category as like Willie Mays cards, right. mental cards, Hank Aaron cards. You know, that's just a different era. You know, like when I was a kid, people were actually like trying to save Ricky Henderson. It's not exactly a rare card, you know, in any grade. You could find people who have hundreds of these cards. That's part of the difference. I almost put, even though it's 12 years um, earlier, the Nolan Ryan. That's in the 60s. Mantle was still playing. It was a Mantle card then, you know. Um, but I, I, you know, I put those two cards kind of in the same, you know, in the same sort of spot. I don't know what the hell number Ricky Henderson was that year. I was trying to look up his pop just that we were, you know, talking about the right, the right card there. What was he, 482? Um, I love the card. Uh, and, and, it is one of those cards where I mean, if you had the three thousand hits, Cage, three thousand hits, almost three hundred home runs, thousand RBIs. It's one of those amazing cards, right? Where like you know, it, if you're a Henderson fan, you have to have it. That's what drives the price. It's one that I put in my whole like, um, you know, this is a blue chip. It's not going to go down, but it's not going to double this year. You know what I mean? It's not going to go 10x. It'll never go 10x. But there are nearly twenty five thousand of them graded. It is not. By any stretch, a rare card. There's twenty. It's a rare 000, card because of the grade, not because of the card. Twenty-four thousand gotcha. four hundred twenty. But think about this: twenty-five PSA tens. So from a percentage standpoint, think about that: one in a thousand grade a ten. But there's making two markets. thousand nines making markets, making markets, and I don't expect them to be grading many more tens on this card. So, I mean, that's part of the value on this. It's less that Ricky is one of the all-time greats. And people do, you know, if they're trying to sell Rickies, they, you know, they'll talk this card up 100%. I would, if I'm listening, guys, I would go and rewind, rewind that last few minutes because I know it's kind of like just conversational dialogue. But that is a good point. Like, the mantle card is rare because so many were thrown in the river. Right. So it wasn't a rare card. They printed a lot of them, but it right. became rarer. The Ricky Henderson it. card is rare. Because there's only a few graded tens, but there's like, so many of the other cards, other grades out there. Yeah, a hundred. It's definitely not a a a rare card at all. Um, you know, like as a kid, I had a 1980 top set, but my Henderson was not a ten. You know, it was all centered. You know, but it, you know, people were were buying factory sets at the time, you know what I mean? Like people were collecting these sets. And while that wasn't as mass produced as your 87, 88, 89, um, you know, it was definitely one where people had it. It wasn't exactly the most, it was, it's legit the only, the only good card in the set. So nobody really wants, I mean, you get a Nolan Ryan, like 13th year, that's worth something. But um, yeah, I mean, it's not a rare, you will go on eBay and type this card in, you're gonna find, Dozens of them in all so, grades. Go ahead. To wrap, um, just real quick, any take? So I went to Atlanta Hawks game. We were talking a little bit about this, like, you know, Atlanta's, Trey country. One more thing that stuck out is Trey's cards took another dive this week, down 18% uh, just on Tuesday. On Wednesday, it was just down 18%. Is it just that people haven't, like, what is it with Trey? What, what, not card, like, what, what is it? Not winning? So, I mean, I think, and I could be wrong about this, but I think what we're looking at here is right now the hobby pendulum has swung towards um, towards um, blue chip, better cards, you know, top cards. And if people aren't buying jaw cards at this show, then even though you're in Atlanta, people are not going to buy tray cards, right? If people are looking for, like, long-standing assets, you name it, Trey may have good numbers right now, right? He may put up good numbers, but I don't think anybody really believes that Trey has the ability to become an all-time player, right? He may put up good numbers. He's probably not going to do it for a long time, you know, and while Luca is not having the greatest year either, I think people believe, even on his ankles, that Luca has the build and the ability to be relevant and a top 10 player for 10, 12, 15 years. We can talk about that. He might make enough money where he can retire in 10 years. He's been playing for a long time. There's a lot of that. But I think people are more willing to put their real investment money in Luca 
or even Ja than Trey. People look at Trey and say, he's fun, but he's tiny. He's fun, and he can score 50 on any given night, but he's not playing any defense. And he's never winning any awards because of that. And, you know, his team overperformed last year. They're underperforming this year. It's the East. He's never going to get through Giannis. He's never going to get through the Nets. He's never blah, 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 blah. There's just so much that it snowballs up where it's very difficult to buy Trey for a long time. I have a theory. Let's hear it. So, so with this vintage cards that we're seeing run, run right now, if someone doesn't buy it today when they're presented with the opportunity, they, in the back of their mind, know that in a week, two weeks, a month, if they want to buy that card, more than likely they're going to have to pay a premium and they're more than likely actually going to get second or third pick and not as nice of a copy as maybe the one presented. Whereas with these modern guys, I think what we've seen is, okay, I'll miss out on the flawless green, but I'll get the flawless gold. I'll yep. miss out on the flawless gold. I'll get the national treasure. I'll miss out on the national treasure. I'll get the gold prism. I'm not going to miss out on the Trey investment opportunity. If I see that that train start running, there's going to be a plenty of cards out there for me to buy in to have stake in the game with Trey or Luca or Ja or Zion. Any truth to that? I think it's 100% right. I think it's laughable when people start to talk about like Michael Jordan. Oh, that card in PSA 10 is 300 of them. Oh, it's not a rare card. It shouldn't be worth so much money. Okay. Think about what you just said. And you're 100% right. Whether it's Giannis, whether it's Trey, it's anybody now. People are spending money, but you're right. It's I can buy a Luca black one of one. I can buy a gold. I could buy a black gold out of five. I could buy a nebula. I could buy a galactic. I could buy a schmalactic. I could buy any number of parallels. I could buy blues and oranges and greens and purple pulsars and pink pulsars and green pulsars, all of the same card. You know? So yeah, you're hundred percent right. And that doesn't even take all the same card with the same upside potential. Like I'll still have ships. Stock in this player if I get a yeah. nebula or a gold or a national treasures or even who knows which one is going to be the right one you know and that makes it difficult also but you're right it's you may miss out on the gold flawless but the gold immaculate it'll, will be there for you next week you may miss out on the gold you know national treasures but the flawless will be there a hundred percent a hundred percent right I mean and you can talk about it you know people people do that all the time the Giannis national treasures got bought out. We've talked about it for two straight weeks that the Giannis gold, um, you know, the immaculate gold that's on here, and it's up another 20% this week. What Giannis has in his favor that some of these other guys don't is he doesn't have as many. He still has more than if you compare him to Mantle, but he doesn't have as many of these investment grade. Curry is such a good example. Man, Curry is going to be the best investment, not because he's going to maybe be better than LeBron. He probably won't. But he only has a few set cards that you could invest in. And people know that if Curry, if they miss out on a Curry now, like we just saw a Curry black uh, Bowman Chrome, a uh, Bowman paper, I apologize. A black Bowman paper set, a uh, black border Bowman paper, PSA 10, just sell for a record price. Again, if you go to Carl Ladder's page, you'll see it. People know that if they don't get into Curry now, it's happened twice. Okay. What I was saying is the the Bowman Chrome with the black border curry just sold for another record price. Mm-hmm. I think it's because people know that with curry, if they're not getting into the good stuff of curry now, that ship is going to sail and it's going to be really, really hard to find a, a, a desirable card of his in a year, let alone three, four, five years. It's interesting because, I mean, curry, curry's a, you can make an argument the exact opposite. While there wasn't flawless and all that other fun stuff, in 09, you had Topps Chrome, you had National Treasures, and you even had Upper Deck, right? So you have the ones with him in the Davidson uniform that are, like, exquisite. You know what I mean? The ones that were at a 225, the ones that, you know, the, the white card with his picture and then the autograph underneath it. You have the National Treasures, which are almost impossible. You also have the Topps Chrome, which is an absurd picture of him with a white T-shirt on. You know, like, kind of silly. So, you know, yes, there's not as many as LeBron. Definitely not. There's also not as many as there are now. But there's, a, you know, there's a few investable, you know, things for, for there's Curry. There's a few. But relative to other modern guys, it's, it's yeah. way lower. 100%. So let, me, 100%. let me just go over, unless you have anything else, let me yeah, go Just over. one more, and then I want sure. you to do, like, the IPOs and stuff like that. Just yep. one to pay attention to. And it hasn't moved. Maybe it's not a liquid asset that much. The price doesn't change on this, but... 
have to mention, we've mentioned this once before and it didn't impact the price. So take it for what it's worth. It might be a Teflon card. It is a card that you don't love. But let's talk about that Crystal Trio. That card that's exactly the same as the base one, but it's numbered out of 50, right? The LeBron Wade Mellow one. One sold last night. And it only sold for $126,000. Now, only sold for $126,000. That sounds ridiculous. But when you factor in that it's at $10 a share and there's 35,800 shares, that means on collectible, unless I'm doing the math wrong, um, that's $350,000. And if it's over $126,000, that's a pretty low comp. I mean, you could take a look at it if you want to pull that one up for me. Um, The Crystal, you could just Crystal Trio, C R Y S T A L. Crystal. Yep. I share my screen here. The card that I don't really understand that well, but who cares? Yep. Market cap $179,000, $5 a share. Right. So now it's up to $5 a share. So at $5,179 um, was 10 Now it's at $5. Um, $126,000 was a recent comp. So if it's at $179 and you are, you know, you've now seen two comps of this one, you see they come down a little bit. Um, this is one where it's uh, 126,000 was a recent comp on this one, which is, you know, it's definitely less than 170 and change. We talked about this card. I, I, I said I wasn't a fan. I think it's overpriced. I don't like um, when the premium version of a card is the exact same as the base version. That to me dilutes it. Uh, so anyway, Cage, lastly, this week's IPO schedule. So Tonight, the 27th, we have the 1961 Fleer Will Chamberlain PSA 9, $320,000 market cap with 16.5% retained. I got to tell you, man, Wilt is one of those guys that's the legend of Wilt will live on forever. Like the way people talk about him, the way 50, 60, 70 year olds talk about him, how, you know, he's skinny like a twig, but he could bench 500 pounds. The guy long jumped. You know, when I said uh, LeBron's the best athlete that's ever played in the NBA, the comment that I got the most on YouTube was, dude, stay in your lane. If you think LeBron's the best athlete, you should have seen Wilt. So his legend of Wilt lives on. A hundred-point game, all that stuff, it's never going to be touched. So I I think Wilt is such an interesting investment. Then we have on March 1st, can't believe we're in March now, Guys. There's a lot of ladies out there that would tell you Wilt was a hell of an athlete. The, the legend of Wilt. Like, he 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 is relevant. Like, he has that uh, that vibe about him. 2002 Panini Portugal sticker. I'm excited to see this because 2002, guys, remember, uh, the Mega Cracks Ronaldo is a 2003 or 2004 card. So this even predates that. In a PSA 10, 109,000 market cap with 45% retained. Very interesting card. Uh, Wednesday, we have the 2006-7 Exquisite Triple Logo Man, Duncan, Yao, and Dirk. 163500 market cap. I think that's a little expensive with 45. 45.9% retained. But th- those are three funny guys on the card. And Thursday, March 3rd. <laughs> why are they funny? Funny guys? I don't know why they're funny, but like that's a funny trio. Like Yao Dirk and Timmy Duncan walked in a bar. Like I could see a joke start with that line. It's like tall guys. You know, I mean, I yeah, guess you like, call them all centers, right? Duncan German, Yao and Dirk walked into the bar. A Chinese guy and a Virgin Island walk into a bar. Like they're just like it's just fucking hilarious. I don't know. All right. Okay. I, you know, like a doctor, a lawyer, and a plumber walking. You know, like those. Uh, that's how I see these three. Uh, okay. All right. How about the tickets? I don't talk about ticket stubs on this show. <laughs> no, I, mean, I don't listen, get it. If that's your thing, it's pretty cool. Uh, 1933 to 2019 MLB All-Star Game ticket basket. If you're a ticket guy or gal. I mean, some of those are pretty awesome. I mean, that's some pretty great moments in all-star game history. You know, and again, that, that kind every of a run. single ticket. Yeah, that's what it seems like, right? It's an all-star ticket basket from 33 to 19. Looks like a run of a little vertical. Use a little, use a little wine, wine word, wine verbiage. Forty-seven thousand five hundred. I just want to give the gentleman that put in the time, or the lady that put in the time to collect all those tickets. You've earned your one-year salary. 
pretty crazy. Um, 55 tops, number 123, Sandy Koufax, PSA 8. Want to let you guys know that IPO'd. This falls right into the category of what Andrew's talking about. One of those vintage cards that could be where the money flows into. Koufax has one of those cult following followings. You know, he's got a story to him, not pitching during the high holy days, you know. Um, you know, he's got that whole kind of like movie, you know, stuff going on. His left hand was referred to as the left hand of God. Um, you know, real, real cool story to him. Um, it's a gorgeous card with yellow background. Very hard to find in PSA 8. And there's only, as of the time we're recording, there's 28.5% remaining at a $42,500 market cap with nothing retained. You know, that's one of those things with a vintage card, that kind of high grade. Um, I own one of these cards, but I only have it in a five. You know, those eights, that's that's a real nice card. Um, and it's one of those ones where, you know, the pop on, on you know, higher than eight is, is, is really small. Um, so one to take a look at. Uh, I'm thinking, I'm picturing the Entourage episode where Drama and Turtle and Turtle's cousin gets Drama to invest 10000 into Sandy Koufax's like game-used jersey because they think Sandy Koufax is going to pass away. Like a Turtle's, Turtle's cousin said, yeah, I heard from a friend. He's so reliable. Sandy Koufax is on his deathbed. Like, we got to get this now. He hasn't left the house in weeks. The, I, only a doctor goes in and out. He, I hear he's on his deathbed, but it was really like Sandy Koufax's dog that passed away. <laughs> I, I mean, interesting stuff there, man. I mean, good recall. You like Entourage. That's definitely your thing. Um, yeah, that's my thing. It is my thing, though. I do like Entourage. <laughs> that's I'm all right. So, it, but it's such a good show. Listen, lots of cool stuff on IPO, stuff available, stuff coming up this week. Everything from, you know, from, from um, the Wilt to soccer, um, you know, Lucas sneakers is only a little bit left on those. Um, take a look at what's on there. You know, make sure you have the app because a lot of them are exclusive in-app early access for, you know, the app itself. Um, and, yeah, what a fun week. Just a lot of cool sales, a lot of cool comps. Um, you know, cards moving. The only other little thing I'll tell you to take a look at is, you know, my number showed me that people are paying attention to the fact that baseball might not be happening. Um, I saw a couple of the modern baseball cards down, the Seeger card, that came down a lot. Um, look at the Mookie Betts card. You know, you're talking about the Bowman ones that we've seen kind of go up, down, up, down, depending upon news. Um, it might be one where if you're a believer that the, the, the owners and the players are going to get a deal done, even if it means they miss a little bit of the season, there might be a spike on those when an announcement comes that they've you know, now made an agreement they're going to start to play. I think with deadlines and not as much movement, and if you open up your ESPN app right now and pull up preseason games, you're going to see canceled. There were supposed to be preseason games this week, and they're not yeah, happening now, obviously. So canceled, it's when pretty sad. When does season start? Is it April 1st? End of March. Usually, like, there's one or two opening games, like March 31st, March 30th, something like that. Um, I don't know the exact date. But you're 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 pushing up against it now without having spring training, um, you know where it it could be that they miss some time during the season and instead of people first start May first, which would be shitty. Um, but I I don't think you're losing the whole season. And like I said, this may be one of those instances where if you're a believer in bets or Seeger or any of these you know modern uh, cards on collectible, you may see them you know What's kind of keep back up. What's the argument against a hundred game season? A hundred game season? Yeah. The, the argument against it from both sides would most likely be the owners wouldn't like it because you only get 50 home games and every home game is a chance to make money, both in concessions, ticket sales, and television broadcasting deals. And for the players, you would think they wouldn't want that necessarily because the owners are going to say, okay, if you're worth $30 million a year, top guy, um, 100 games instead of 162 means top salary is now 20 million. So the players would earn less, the owners would own less. I mean, I would think that they would both want the season to stay kind of where it is. Um, you know, but it may take that. Look, if they're playing chicken with each other, it may take missing games because then the players are not getting their paychecks. The owners are not getting concession, not getting ticket sales. You know, when it starts to actually from a hit, fan's perspective, 100 games is plenty, in my opinion. 
I mean, it depends. If you're a basketball guy and you're used to 80 games, 100 games is plenty. I mean, you know, baseball's always been a very long season. I mean, baseball, they played 154 games, you know, when Mantle was playing in the 60s. They expanded it to, you know, 162, you know. I mean, Babe Ruth's record of 60 home runs, remember that was like, I think, 154 games. And then when when Maris broke it with 61, is because there were eight more games to 162. I mean, you know, it's... So it's always been a long season. It's a summer game. It's supposed to be a daily game. It's supposed to be something where, if you think about it, you know, I, I try to go to Yankee Stadium for a regular game. It's expensive as hell, but with 162 games, it's supposed to be something where you could go to the game. You know, it's spectator sport. Okay. It shouldn't be that expensive. It doesn't work out that way, but, you know, that, that, that was a sport. It was supposed to be a sport for the fans, you know? It's supposed to be something, you know, kids can go to. So, so you could watch the games. It's, so, so you, you could watch the games. Watch That's your thing. Game. Watch the games. You like to watch the if, games. If it was up to me... I would give most of – so I would play five days a week, and then I would do like how TNT does it, have like two games on Thursday and give most of the uh, players and teams a day off on Thursday and most of the players and teams a day off on Sunday. Have two games on Sunday and have them like really televised, like all the attentions on those games. Because, dude, some of these teams, they play a four-game series Monday to Thursday, then they play a three-game series. They play seven days a week. Some of them. Uh, Thursday. Thursday's usually a minimal uh, day. It's usually a, a sparse yeah. schedule, like a travel day. Um, you know, you get the Cubs playing day games on Thursday sometimes. You know what I mean? But usually Thursday's a travel game. People do like Monday to Wednesday and then Thursday to uh, – caveat uh, that, you know, I think day games are one of the coolest things. Like especially when you're a kid and you ask your dad oh, yeah. and you're like, can, Let's can, go. I, can, I, can, yeah. can I not go to school? Can I go to a game? Like that is game. cool. That is like a – that is cool. I agree with that. Gotta love it. Well, listen, a lot of info on here, guys. If you have any questions, please feel free to message us. And uh, we hope you enjoy this stuff. You get into uh, you know, the uh, the fractional report brought to you by Collectible before the opening bell. Hopefully you're listening to this before the opening bell and uh, you know, you get some actionable information here. Thanks, everybody. Love you, Luca Nation. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.